welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more, all focused on building a life that is beyond better. Welcome, welcome. I am really excited today to introduce you to Mindy McGinnis. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about writing, about writing as a career, a little bit about craft, um, and also about building your platform because Mindy has done such a great job of that with uh, with her books and just her overall author platform. So before I officially introduce Mindy, I want to read you her bio. Mindy McGinnis is an Edgar Award-winning novelist who writes across multiple genres, including post-apocalyptic, historical, thriller, contemporary, mystery, and fantasy. While her settings may change, you can always count on Mindy's books to deliver grit, truth, and an, and an unflinching look at humanity and the world around us. She is the host of the podcast, Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire. You can learn more about her at mindymcginnis.com. Welcome, Mindy. Hi, thank you for having me. So we we talked a little bit before we hit record about um, this, this idea of making a writing business, essentially, which is what we're talking about, work, requires so many different multiple or so many revenue streams and different creative ways and you have said, I have a quote, that creativity is not enough. Um, and, and I'd love to talk a little bit about just the business acumen that is required to be successful as a writer, because I 100% agree with, with you uh, in this sense that I think a lot of us that aspire to make a living as a writer, that was me too as a child in my, that's all I ever wanted. I pursued uh, design for a while because I just didn't see how it was possible to actually have a, make a living as a writer. There weren't any clear examples to me of how to do that. Um, and thankfully, I found my way like you did. Um, and I went to grad school with a lot of people who enrolled simply because they didn't know what else to do. I mean, truly, it was like, okay, I have this, a lot of them already had master's degrees. Some of them already had master of fine arts, which is essentially a, a, your final degree as an art, yeah. as a creative writer, but then they would go on to get a PhD. And, um, and again, yeah, I have a lot of friends with MFAs and they have a lot. Know, yeah. um, they didn't know what to do. And I think there is a, a, a lack of just like examples for people that aspire for this. That's why I want to talk more about this so you mentioned that you're working all the time. Uh, 60 hours a week sounds extremely exhausting. Um, and I would love to break that down a little bit. What kind of work are you doing? I know you write your novels, um, but I know you also work with clients too, because I've, uh, I, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I know some of the work that you do. So break that out for people. If you could just kind of bucket some of your different revenue streams and the type of work that you do to bring in income so that you can you know, make this work as a, as a working writer. Yeah. So my main source of income is definitely the books that are, get published under my real name, which is Minnie McGinnis. I'm published through HarperCollins and I get paid a decent amount of money. I make uh, enough money doing that 
that I am able to have a life that functions, but there aren't any bells or whistles. So I'll put it this way. When I got published, I was working at my full-time job, which made about $14,000, $15,000 a year. And that I was not able to financially say I can quit and just do this full time until I had published seven books. I had seven books that were traditionally published with a major publisher. And then I was able to quit my job and keep in mind that my job paid $15,000 a year. So I wasn't like making this huge uh, leap by quitting that job, but I lost retirement and I lost insurance and I lost all the things that you have when you have a real job. So then I ended up, you know, I have, I have no retirement. I have none. I was saying earlier, my retirement plan is we hope we win the lottery. Like that's just, that's it. That's all there is to it. I don't have savings. Um, I live paycheck to paycheck in the sense that when money comes in, I'm like, oh, good money. But you also don't know when your paycheck's coming in. Like there's no set time. Um, I never know how much money I'm going to make year to year. I have no idea. I don't know how much money I'm going to make month to month. I might, I have been in situations where I literally had $5 left and I was hoping that some money came in before another bill was due because I didn't have any money. And this was, you know, as a person that uh, is successful as an author, right? Um, And so like, I'll get paid in chunks with my advance money. So I'll get paid $25,000 in a chunk or ish, 25 ish. But that money comes about once every, like maybe three times across 18 months. And you don't really know when it's coming specifically. 15, 15% of that goes to your agent. And about a third of that you have to set aside for taxes. So it's not a lot of money. And uh, people really do tend to think that if you're a published author and your book is on the, um, sales racks at Barnes and Noble and all this. And, uh, you know, you've got a good social media presence and all these things that you must be making bank. And that is quite simply not the case. I am always astonished at how much money I do make when I see my taxes at the end of the year, because I don't know where the hell it went. It's gone. Like I, I, you have to spend so much money in order to keep moving forward. So speaking about those buckets, So generally they tell you, if you want to be a um, successful writer, you're going to spend, set aside a third of your advance for taxes and you set aside the other third for marketing and promotion. And so you're spending a third of what you made to try to make the book successful. In general, I find that to be roughly true, not necessarily like to the dime, but yeah, if you, you got to spend money to make money and it's scary. So in the trad world, I don't have a lot of control over success in the traditional publishing world. No one does. We don't control uh, how our book gets marketed. We don't have a say on how much the publisher spends on putting it out into the world, how much marketing you get, who gets, you know, the advertisement in Times Square. It's never been me. You know, that's stuff that you don't have any control over. So in the traditional publishing world, it's like you write your book and you write the best book you can and you hand it over and your publisher is going to be the one that um, hopefully puts money behind it and markets it. You can hire an outside publicist. You can do all of these different things that can try to move the needle a little bit. And that's where you do spend some money. But there are no guarantees. And 
literally, nobody knows what actually works. Things hit, things go viral, things happen, and things go like bonkers for some reason. But nobody can ever say, oh, this is why this happened. Now, with Colleen Hoover, we can say, oh, TikTok. But the thing about TikTok and book talk is you as the author don't generate the content. Readers are generating the content. So I can make, I can spend a week making 25 TikTok videos a day and it won't matter because people don't want to see me talking about my book. They want to see readers being like, oh my God, this book and like bawling, right? And so I can't generate that content. I can't influence TikTok. So when it comes to the traditional world of publishing, you just have to write the best book you can and um, like do your duty as far as being present on social media and stuff like that, which I will talk about in a minute, but um, it's kind of out of your hands. So the other bucket that I have uh, money going into or more going into than coming out of, if I'm being honest, is a pen name. I do write underneath the pen name. I started co-authoring with friends and um, the indie publishing world. So the self-publishing independent publishing world is always moving. It's moving super fast. If you want to be successful there, you have to release a book just about every three months. So you have to write about four books a year. You have to be, um, yeah, you are, and you're putting money into it. So cover design, interior design, marketing, anything like that, that's you. You're spending the money up front in order to make it get out there and hit and again, you never know what's going to hit and, and you can spend money on all kinds of resources and reports and analytics and all of these different things. But you just like at the end of the day, you don't know and you spend your money on ads and you spend your money on trying to figure out the Facebook algorithm and the Amazon algorithm. And um, at the end of the day, you really are just throwing things at a wall and seeing what will stick. And it is extremely frustrating. But um, that that's the way it is. That's just simply it's, it is a high, high risk environment. Um, and you spend money to make money, um, generally will spend about $3,000 in ads in order to make $4,000. And so we'll make a thousand dollars. And then because I have co-authors that get split three ways at the end of the month. So not a lot of money there. Um, again, you just are kind of hoping that you write something that'll hit and people will start talking about it and that it'll catch or that you will write something that just fits the current trope perfectly and people will pick it up. Um, and again, you can put yourself out there on social media. You can make your TikTok videos. You can do Facebook Live. Like you can do all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, other people have to generate that excitement. It can't be you. You're the author. Like there is an agenda there and people can see it. So you have to get other people excited about your books. And getting other people excited is hard and everyone's trying to do it. So um, I have hit a point personally with social media. I'm not sure that it works. Uh, everybody's there. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's trying to get the same thing. And um, I don't do a good job of thinking outside the box in terms of, um, how do I make myself stand out on social media? Well, the truth is that I don't know. I am not a happy person. I am not going to dance. I am not going to make a cute video of an animation of my book, like walking through a garden or something. Like that's just not going to happen. I'm a practical person. I'm a realistic person. I am very down to earth and I don't have the kind of personality like this cynical, nothing works and we're all going to die. This is a pointless endeavor. It's not what does well on social media. So um, I think right now I would say that's true. <laughs> right. So it's like, I, I don't have the, I don't have the, um, the, the personality fit 
for social media that works well. And I've tried really hard for a long time to make social media work for me. And it just doesn't. And I get extremely frustrated because I will say something or share some advice on Twitter, for example, uh, that I'll be like, yeah, I think that this is really, here's some really good advice about writing. Here's some great things about publishing. Here's an insight into creativity or the industry or something that matters. And I get like, you know, two likes. And then I'm like, hey guys, my cat peed on my crock pot. And it's like, 400,000 likes. And I'm just like, this is stupid. Like, this is stupid. And I don't, I, I just, I don't have a lot of, um, patience or bandwidth for that because I just feel like at this point, um, mediocrity and, and silliness and just like the things that'll hit and the things that will do well, uh, as far as like things that I produce in terms of content for social media, nothing ever that I think actually has value. So I don't, I, I'm just very disenchanted with that. And I am um, trying to find different ways to make money that involve me not doing any social media whatsoever. So I am probably going to be hiring that out. I have a friend that has an MFA in screenwriting and in um, uh, creative writing, but she's also like, she's a trained actress And she's really good at being like, this is what I'm going to do for TikTok or Instagram. And I'm like, I'm just going to hire you to do mine for me because I don't care. I just don't care enough. I want to be writing. I would rather be writing. And I'm not. I'm making videos about writing. And I I don't have any patience for that. And I think it's quite silly. Um, So I am very much probably going to be pulling back entirely from social media because I'm not convinced that it works at least in the fiction world, I don't believe it actually sells books in terms of me creating the content, other people generating it. Yes. I can see that having fans go ballistic is great, but I don't have the kinds of books that people do that for. I write dark books. I write hard books. I write difficult topics and things and people want the romance and they want to to gush and they want to talk about positive things and happy things and things that make them feel good. That's where we're at right now. Anyway, coming out of the pandemic, like people don't want to think about harder things and darker things. So, so my stuff is just kind of, I've really fizzled hard on that. I used to every morning, get up and spend two hours on social media. And these days I'm not doing it at all because I don't see the point. And I don't think that what I do and, um, what I write and how I, um, interact with social media is effective. It's very effective for other people. It is not effective for me. I think it's very I mean, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you talk, I can understand why writing novels, writing any kind of fiction, it would be very difficult to build a presence on social. For my audience, my listeners, they're nonfiction. And so it's it's different because they're, they have this whole, typically a story or an ex- area of expertise that they have a lot to offer. And so they can create valuable content and it doesn't actually have to promote their book, right? It can right. be about, I don't know, it's like a child psychiatrist or it's, you know, how to build a deck, you know, for your house or whatever. It's like people with different skills, expertise. Um, and so it's it's very, very different. But one thing that I, I wanted to just like go back a little bit on that you pointed out about book sales and specifically with advances and people romanticize that so much, this idea of a traditional deal and getting an advance. And in the nonfiction world, what I what I often, like one of the first things that I'm teaching people when they maybe reach out for a call or they join my program, whatever, 
is stop doing that math of ROI equals book sales because in the nonfiction oh, yeah. world, your ROI is clients, it's your coaching, it's speaking engagements, it's like opportunities that you get from a revenue standpoint. And so it's, it is really interesting to hear you talk about like there's so many things that I know are very similar about the two worlds, but there are also, I think, some unique challenges being a novelist that somebody that's in the nonfiction world um, doesn't face. Or, I mean, social media is social media. A lot of people like, right. scares, <laughs> scares most people, you know. Right. But, I but think- you're, you're right. You're right. Because it's like, I don't, the uh, tagline for my podcast is, uh, you know, as novelists, we have to make people care about things that never happen to people that don't exist. <laughs> yes. That's really hard. And it's like, I don't have anything useful to give you, right? I can't teach you how to teach your kid how to read or build a deck or the best way to, you know, cut down a tree. Like, I don't have anything to offer you on that. And um, I can do a deep dive. Like, each of my books is about something different. So it's like, I have a book coming out. Um, I have a book that's about the opioid epidemic and I have a book that's about climate change, right? And so it's like, those books will change like every year, whatever I'm interested in or researching is going to change. So it's like, if I do a year of like, this is all my research on climate change and this is how we're going to run out of water and I attract that audience. And then the next year I'm like, and now I want to talk to you about Oxycontin. You know, it's like, that's a totally different audience. Yes. And those people that followed me initially are just kind of like, why, why are we talking about this now? And then the Oxycontin people come in and then it's like, and now we're going to talk about murder. And they're just like, I didn't come here for murder. And so it's like, it's, it's almost impossible now because I don't stick in one genre that's on me, but uh, yeah. Right. Because the prevailing advice is, is um, just like pick a lane and, and stay pick in. a lane and stay in it. And I'm not good at that. So it's like any advice that I give is probably not good. Like that's at the end of the day, but I do what I love. Like I write what I want to write and I write whatever I'm inspired by. And um, you mentioned uh, nonfiction being as, uh, a better place to think of that as not making money off book sales, but in other avenues. Uh, and you mentioned doing speaking engagements. So I probably make, because I write specifically for teens, I do a lot of school visits. And so I probably make a third of my income off of uh, touring. Wow. So That's yeah, yeah. I make a significant amount of my income from touring. So I was just, I just recently got back from being on the road for three weeks straight. And I would just hit a school. It was out West and I would do a school during the day. And then a library or a bookstore in the evening and then drive to the next town, school, library, bookstore, school, library, bookstore, and then uh, libraries again on Saturdays. So it was three weeks straight and I was exhausted and I was like, and I would do like seven, eight presentations a day at school and then go do two more in the evening. Yeah, um, it was awful. And I was really, really burnt out, but I had to do it. Like I was literally, um, literally out of money. And so I had to go do that and like replenish, replenish the coffers. So I do make a significant amount of my income off of doing uh, touring and speaking and things like that. Um, I also, as we talked about, have a podcast, which is called Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, and it is advice for writers. And I talk with other writers and I've been running that four or five years now. And I've had very, very famous guests and I've had guests that you have never heard of and, and never will again. 
And I really enjoy talking to everybody and across all these different varieties of, I mean, I talk to nonfiction writers. I talk to children's books writers. I talk to like wildly famous murder mystery writers. I'll talk to anyone and uh, just about like that, like, how do you do it? Like, how, how did this happen for you? And please share so that other people can learn from your experience. But, um, you know, again, it's like the podcast, so much work that, you know, I have a blog too of the same name and so, and that's been running since 2011 and so much of that work is at a loss. Like I'm, I don't, I make some money on the podcast, but I make very little. And so it's like, all of that is just me creating content and putting content out there in order to drive people to my website, in order to drive people to come and see what I write, or hopefully if they want to learn about writing and they listen to me writing and my books will come up as I'm speaking about this, maybe they'll go buy one of my books, but it literally is like, uh, so the blog's been running since 2011 and the podcast for five years. And it is, um, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours of work that I have put in that is literally just hoping to raise my SEO, right? That I'll have all, all my keywords and my name will get out there a little bit more, but they themselves don't make much money at all, a little bit, but not a lot. And that's something I'm looking to change uh, hopefully next year is actually start um, offering some writing courses myself and talking about um, having downloadable courses that people can buy so that I could actually like turn that into an actual revenue stream. Because every year I say to myself, it's time to kill the podcast because it's not making money and you need to stop blogging because that doesn't make money. And then I'm like, yeah, but like I have put so much into it and there's so much content that's backfilled. And every now and then, like somebody will say, I love your podcast or I never miss your blog. And so that's something in the new year that I'm looking to uh, develop and work with more in terms of actually making it make money and make that content make money as opposed to the content just kind of being a long-standing, long-running commercial. Yeah. Well, it's a marketing effort. And it's funny because I, when I, I've been in business for 13 years and Many years back, I remember I, you know, I would have conversations with people that wanted to get into writing. They wanted to be either an editor, because that's what I used to do before I started writing, doing like writing books and stuff, um, or they wanted to write. And they would say, "Oh, how do you, you know, how do you find clients? Like, how do you, um, how do you market your services?" And I'd always be like, "Oh yeah, I don't do any marketing. I, I don't. It just like." somehow it works out. And now I'm like, that's so not true. I was blogging. I was writing guest articles. I was doing content marketing. I just didn't have a name for it back then. Yeah. And I, it's easy to look at it and see that as like a loss, like you said, but to your point, it's actually, it has this shelf life of like being able to send traffic your direction and it increases your credibility, right? Just as yeah. a platform, when people go onto your site and they see that you have a podcast, you have a blog, you're this award-winning author, you have all these books. I mean, it's just like an instant, it's like a five second, oh, this is legit. Yeah. Yep. So there's that piece of it too, that I think is really important. I wanted to just, just as like a quick clarifier, because we've only talked about a couple of different income streams 
But I, I think you also do work with clients on their proposals. Is that right? I do. Uh, I do. I offer editorial services. So that's something I started doing a few years ago. When you want to be a fiction writer, uh, you have to write what's called a query letter. So it's kind of like putting together a nonfiction book proposal, but um, a proposal package for fiction is a lot shorter and it's, you don't have to identify your audience or anything like that. It is uh, a query letter, which is like 300 words in which you just kind of try to hook you're an agent. And uh, most agents these days just want to see the query letter, but uh, a query letter, a synopsis, and there can be a short synopsis or a long synopsis, which is where you uh, basically like cover the arc of the entire book, uh, either in under a thousand words or under 3000. It just kind of depends on how long the agent requires the synopsis to be. And then the first 10 pages of your manuscript, like that is typically uh, first steps. If you want to be ready to uh, start submitting when you're a fiction writer, most of the time, you're just going to be sending out a query letter. And then if they're interested, they'll ask for a synopsis in the first 10 pages. So I offer uh, a query rescue service, a synopsis rescue service, a first 10 pages package, and then a full manuscript critique. And I have been doing this for a really, really long time. And I probably make another third of my income off of editorial services. And again, like you said, I don't advertise, like I don't have anything out there in terms of um, trying to find clients or headhunt clients, the podcast serves for that as well. So it's like, I'm going to attract people that want to learn how to write. And then my name is there. And then they're going to go to my page if they want to click play on the podcast or if they want to read the transcript. And then they see this, this header It's like, oh, I also offer editorial services. So um, I, again, like I also do not do any advertising about my editorial services and people just, uh, people just show up in my inbox. And uh, for a long time, I, I did ask, um, where, how, where did you hear about me? And I kept thinking it had to be the podcast that was pulling people in. And most of the time, they were just readers who also wanted to be writers and had read my books and liked them, visited my website and saw that I offered editorial services. So, I mean, that's the nice thing about when you have all of these irons in the fire, if you've got a fire in one place everything is going to feed people into there. So my books, my editorial services, um, now my pen name, obviously not because that's uh, located elsewhere and isn't associated with my real name, but uh, you know, I have an educators page. So it's like if people, uh, teachers, I've got material for people to use in their classrooms and things like that. So it's like, if a teacher lands on my page, they're going to see educational materials and they can go look there. And if a reader lands on my page, they can buy my books. And if a writer lands on my page, they can hire me for my services. So it's like, I just, um, within the past, like four years, cause I used to have writer, writer pants on fire. And then MindyMcGinnis.com separate just to keep my audiences distinct. And then I was like, this is dumb because I'm driving traffic two different places. This is stupid. So I took like, and I don't have a ton of like uh, training as far as like uh, building your own website or anything like that, but I prefer to teach myself so I can acquire skills. So I basically took like a whole summer and redid everything and transferred all my content from both sites down into one and so, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's important. You got to have that hub that everything feeds to and, and it'll cross pollinate in a lot of ways. And of course, on my social media, what I do these days, like also serves that purpose. So um, I just try to, I try to always be producing something. And for me right now, where I, I have to be creating something that I feel has value and makes sense. And for me right now, that's my podcast and my blog. I don't find value 
in making a TikTok video of my cat washing his belly and rolling over and falling off the deck. I think it's funny. I think that's awesome. I watch that stuff, but that's not going to sell a book. Nobody is going to be like, oh, I wonder what kind of book she writes because her cat is cute, right? Nobody, nobody cares. If I go viral with a video of my cat, cat people are going to flock to me, not readers. So um, I, I've been finding the best place for me to put my energy these days is uh, the podcast and the blog and trying to find ways to create a little bit more income out of those while also um, branching out a little bit more in terms of being a fiction writer. There are a lot of things going on in the world right now. The publishing industry is changing slowly, but it is changing. And that pie in the sky dream fiction uh, career of writing as a novelist for a major publishing company is not the only path these days. Uh, Serial apps and reading on your phone and reading chapter by chapter and paying chapter by chapter have really started to grow. And so I've been looking into maybe producing some content for that. I mean, if you want to be a writer, especially a fiction writer, um, and this is where fiction and nonfiction do have a lot in common, is that you just have to diversify, diversify, diversify. You have to have so many things going on and it's really hard to keep all those balls in the air. It's really, really hard. I just recently hired an assistant this summer to handle um, all the posting for my blog and most of my social media that's related to the blog and the podcast because I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do that and write. So um, yeah, with nonfiction and fiction, I think if, if you do want to make a living at this, you have to diversify and you have to be able to, you have to be able to have so many balls up in the air at the same time. Um, or else you're just, you're not going to make it. Now you can focus more on one than another at a time. So I'm just moving out of um, focusing on writing. Like I really did a deep dive and just like wrote a book in about a month. And um, I'm just coming up out of that. And I'm looking at the blog and the podcast again. I'm like, okay, how can I make these better? And how can I make these more efficient and make more money off these? And I'll probably focus on that for about a month. And then I have to edit a book and that'll be in December. And so um just uh, always working, always working. Unfortunately, people ask me all the time. They're like, how do you, how do you do everything that you do? How do you manage to do all the things that you do? And um, I always say that um, it's at the expense of my mental health and personal relationships. And it's a joke, but it's also not. So it's like, that's just the way it is. If you want to make a living at this, um, I think that for the first, like probably seven to 10 years, it is just uh, toil. <laughs> a lot of toil, but I actually love what I do. And I would rather do this because every day is different. Every day is different. I decide what I'm doing today. Right. So I get to make that call. And, um, you know, if I need a day where I'm like, you know, like the other day I had to get, uh, I had to have the oil changed on both my cars. I had to drive one car in at a time and I'm working in the, you know, waiting room at the car place. And you just find a way to make every minute work for you. And, uh, but you do like, it is constant work. People, uh, all the time are like, wow, it must be really great to work for yourself. And I'm like, no, I work harder. I work harder than I ever have in my life. It's just that I like what I'm doing and I don't have a boss. And to me, that's worth it. Yeah. It does make a difference when you're actually enjoying what you do. I think, um, this is a fair statement that in the world of nonfiction, it's, it is easier to build a sustainable, uh, income because- yeah you're doing work for hire and often for corporations or business owners who understand marketing 
expenses, like they, they're hiring you to write a book or a white paper or, you know, engage you for a set number of months to write articles or there's, there's things that they have a clear business ROI. They're hiring you to do some kind of content marketing for them, essentially. Um, and, and I can understand that that would be so much more difficult in the fiction world. I know that there are a number of people that listen to this podcast that, um, that are novelists or aspiring novelists. A large part of the audience is nonfiction and many of them are writing their books as part of, for them, it's like scaling their brand, scaling their business. So I think an important takeaway from that, one thing that I heard from you that I think is really useful for this audience is that you have a number of things that you do that point back to your offerings. So you have your podcast, you have your blog. Right now, this is an example of something you're doing that's pointing back to your offerings, right? Like pointing back to your site, you're talking about services that you offer. Um, and so for listeners who have a business and they're thinking about capturing, you know, capturing the attention and directing it back to their site, one thing that you pointed out that I think is really practical is that you have it. It's very simple for people that come to your site to understand what you do and what you offer. So for consultants, speakers, coaches, people that are writing a book as part of that, you know, growth, making sure that you have a really clear offer on your site that people understand that you offer coaching or you offer this, you know, help your kid go to bed, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, your service. Yep. Um, so that seems really, really important. Um, Mindy, last question for you, you know, looking back, I know it hasn't always been a rosy journey for you, um, but you still are doing the thing. And I, I, I think that that is very inspiring. What, you know, what would you offer somebody who's in the beginning of this? You know, they deeply aspire to, Maybe they're not so much thinking about like being a famous novelist, although I think secretly most people like whether or not they admit it, that's what they want. Um, or just writing a book of meaning uh, of some that matters. Um, but they're really early stages and they're just kind of getting started. What would you offer that person? Um, you have to figure out what you care about. So I will never be good at writing. I don't write for hire or for fiction anyway. I have to care about what I'm writing. So if somebody is going to say, I really want to be a writer. And one of the things that people talk about, especially in the indie world or the self-pub world, is that you got to find what's hot right now. You got to find what's trending and what people want to read. And then you write that. And the traditional world is really kind of the opposite. You need to be writing what you feel. And then you hope that that'll be something that hits. Yes. Um, and so I do both. And I can tell you that writing something that you don't actually care about is horrible. And uh, you need to write something that you actually love and something that you care about and something that you're passionate about. You should never write something because you're uh, now this is a fiction statement, but you should never write something with the aim of making money because you probably won't. So it's like you, you really have to care about what you're writing and find value in the process of creating it. Nonfiction is a little bit different. Most of the time uh, you are doing it to help like uh, um, build your platform. But also if there is something that you are highly knowledgeable about, the chances are that you are also passionate about it too. So I think like the passion part comes in kind of almost as an automatic when you're talking about nonfiction. Um, most people that are even interested in, in whatever their topic is, it's because they care about it. So, so I would say you really 
have to care. You really have to be passionate about what it is that you want to write about. I love that advice. Um, And I think just extending that to your point about nonfiction for me, when I first started out doing writing for hire, um, I fell in love with the, the, like just learning and and being better at the writing, even though the subject wasn't something I would have chosen, but I was getting to do the thing that I loved. And so that for me was what I anchored to. So I love that you, that you make that point. And I think, you know, especially for those in nonfiction that are maybe looking to build a writing career versus writing a book as part of their business growth, that you can also fall in love with that creation and the craft and like there's there too. Mindy, I have loved this conversation. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, Remind our listeners where they can find out more about you, your books and the work that you do. Absolutely. So my uh, website is just mindymcginnis.com, M-I-N-D-Y-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. And there you can find links to my podcast and blog, which is called Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire. You can get that podcast anywhere you get podcasts. All of my books are available on sale across all platforms everywhere. I'm published by HarperCollins. So you can get me an audiobook, ebook, physical book, anything that you're interested in. Editorial services can also be found on minimaginnis.com underneath the writer writer pants on fire brand where and i also do if anybody is interested in uh query critiques i do uh paid critiques but i also do free one passes every saturday i do the saturday slash on the blog and that's a free pass through of your query if anybody is looking for free query writing advice from somebody that writes queries for a living i can do that for you that's pretty cool i love that mindy thanks so much for being with me today Yes, thank you. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Katherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at stacyennis.com slash podcast. And you can connect with me at StacyEnnis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacy Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better. <laughs>